Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Getting There, eSchool News Conversation with District Leaders in their response to the uh, coronavirus pandemic. With me today, Dr. Adam File. Adam, how are you? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Adam is the Director of Technology and Media for Newton County Public Schools, correct? That's correct. Uh, fun, fun position to have, especially with all everything going on. I get a chance to have some technology, instructional technology, and also library and media services all rolled into one. Great. And you guys are located outside Atlanta, right? Yes, we are uh, east of Atlanta, also known as the Hollywood of the South. Uh, a lot right. of TV shows and movies are filmed here. So if you've seen something on Netflix or Hallmark, more than likely it was probably filmed in the small town of in Georgia. Very cool. Very cool. And I'm sure you're having a very... A uh, calm, relaxing summer, right? Now that school's out and uh, really not too much going on. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, kicking my feet up, eating bonbons and <laughs> sipping mint juleps, you know. That's what we do. <laughs> well, unfortunately, when we're all kind of tired of talking about it, but it is the, uh, the, the thing that we need to discuss, uh, which is uh, how schools are responding uh, to this madness. I don't know, we're several months in now. Um, and kind of maybe maybe getting over the sh the initial shock of it and starting to look look towards the fall. Maybe can you, you can give us a little uh, background on what the situation is like for you folks down there. Yeah, it was one of those things where just like everyone when it when it initially hit, uh, somewhere in my bones, my 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 spider senses were tingling that this was not going to just be a two weeker that we were kind of uh, projecting. Uh, because we were, I think, hoping for the best because it was going to go right into our spring break. So we were hoping that we were just going to be two or three weeks out and then back in there. And then once it became <clears throat> a situation where it was going to extend for an entire school year, then we definitely had to figure out the best way because we weren't one-to-one -one with our devices in the district. So we had to uh, break our shelter in place and uh, distribute devices to our students. Uh, this is an entire county. So that I'm over. So we have uh, some kind of urban, suburban to rural areas of the district. So with that, it, you have those challenges of students having connect, not having connectivity due to finances and also not having connectivity because it's not in their part of the district. And so those are all things that we had to deal with uh, rolling out Chromebooks, which, you know, 80% of the work requires this device to be connected to the internet for them to really get anything out of it. That's really in any computer now because the internet goes down, you're like, oh, the computer's not working. <laughs> you know, so really trying to sort that out. So that was one um, hurdle that we had to try to, to work around so that we, we utilize some device we had through T-Mobile that were some cellular Chromebooks. So we were to put in a SIM card in those and kind of light those up for some students. Also, we ran into, like everyone else, the shortage of hotspots. So we were able to get in an order through Kajit and like some of those up. But then also we utilized some uh, cell phones through uh, another vendor that we were able to, it was basically an Android phone that they just dumbed down to tether devices to. So really looking at, you know, the connectivity piece was just the, the, the biggest issue and the biggest hurdle that we were looking at on top of also then getting enough devices out to our end users uh, yeah. in the public. So it just really, that was just the, that crazy piece. And now when we start planning and, and I have to take my hats out to education, education educators, they have to be one of the most adaptive groups because we're talking about writing this as we speak, 
while you still have folks at the government level having figured out how they're going to open back up. We're right. we're looking at uh, you know teaching kids because we do know opening up the economy is is very important, but you have to have schools in order to open up the economy because let's be honest, it's free daycare uh, for people. What do you do with your kids through for your eight hour, nine hour work day if you can't send them to school? So we have to make sure this system is working so all of the people can get back and open up our economy and continue to work. Yeah, no, I know the, um, the idea of digital equity and closing those digital gaps was something that you were really um, hot on pre-pandemic, right? I mean, that's yeah. part of your career. That's something you've been, you've been working towards. Um, what in this experience, like this great beta test now <laughs> that we've, we've gone through, uh, any, any, any thoughts, any insights of things like, wow, we, we could have been doing this all along or? Um... Yeah, I mean, some of the things that we did, uh, some of the companies to kind of step up. Um, and for me, I'm kind of like, what do you do after the hashtag is over? Yeah. So, you know, whether you're talking about hashtag for Black Lives Matter or hashtag for um, COVID, you know, you had sailor companies, for example, open or and their service providers opened up the, the, the community Wi-Fi's, you know, yeah. whether it was Spectrum or, or Comcast or Charter or whomever. Uh, why don't you do that all the time? You know, it, it's something that simply because let's be honest, it's, it's pretty low speed. It's enough to check your email and do a few things. Yeah. Is that something that could just be opened up? You know, go for it. Uh, and also when, as I mentioned earlier, we have parts of our district where it has not been in the benefit of a service provider to run fiber to that part of the community, so they have it. Um, so you're literally cutting off people from from the world when they cannot get connected. So it's a conversation that needs to happen. It's, it is bigger than just K-12. This should be something that the various uh, boards of commissioners are talking about. This needs to be something that's discussed in November for this election cycle. You know, I would be I would be pretty annoyed if uh, the two candidates on the debate stage are not saying something about increasing or improving our infrastructure to provide uh, at least one gig of internet uh, to the home. Now, what you light up is on your business, but be able to have a, a gig of fiber to every household in America is something we need to be talking about when digital age is here. Everything yeah. we're talking about connectivity, being able to have internet access, this is the way of life. This is how you're going to get jobs. This is going to how you're going to work jobs. Because just think about the people who couldn't work from home because they did not have the internet access. So we're not just talking about our students. We had some of our teachers that were not able to host Zoom meetings because they didn't have the, the bandwidth, the connectivity in their home to do so. So, yeah. you know, we get a lot of times we talk about our students, but even our employees didn't have the ability to do that. We had some teachers pulling up in the parking lots of our schools. So those are some, some things that we really need to have larger conversations other than just in the K-12 space. So I think this has made it more of a national issue yeah. versus just a bunch of school districts whining about it. It's something that we realize everyone needs access to. I mean, heck, I had a doctor's appointment during the pandemic and I had to use my cell phone to do a kind of a, a Zoom meeting with my medical provider. I had the ability to do that, but just imagine if I did not have the access, the ability to do that. Right. Now I'm not getting medical care because I don't have internet access. You know, and that that's a problem. Absolutely, absolutely. 
uh, the kind of the report cards are coming in on the various successes and failures of, of districts around the country on, on making this transition. Um, a lot of districts I've seen feel that they made that connection and just even just having that social emotional connection with students was all they really could do to accomplish to, to get through the spring and forget about assessments and forget about you know finishing up curricula uh, where do you fall in that one how do you I mean do you how do you feel that you did as a district and when you look at other districts uh what, what do you kind of grade the transitions uh, uh, i can give one or two answers i can give a good i can give the political correct answer i can give the real answer so this be heard by other people I, i'll go somewhere in between i'll tell right. it um it, it's one of those things where uh when you start talking about the sel uh we are grading ourselves we're, we're saying we did a good job which is uh, often a slippery slope from a district to say oh yeah we did a good job connecting with our kids and our families that needed our support um because they're not going to tell you how poorly they did um you know i think our our staff really it started clicking when we had some real conversations where they're like, oh, we're Zooming with our kids and we're having Google Meets or WebEx. And it's like, okay, are you talking about all your kids? Which kids are you talking about? Um, because sometimes you need to pick up the phone and call. Uh, when we, Because we know for a lot of our students, it's not just my district, this is all districts, school is their safe place. They're happy to come to school. They look forward to coming to school because they may be in a home situation that's not the best to uh, have them grow into the individuals that they should grow into. And now they were basically trapped in that environment for three to four months. So we wanted to make sure that our parents, our students, our teachers were picking up the phone and trying to make at least phone contact with those students and have those conversations. Uh, because we know going back to the equity of access, those students didn't have the ability to connect digitally with their peers. Uh, but even we had the conversation with some of our teachers to just host chats, chat sessions with their kids, you know, uh, where it's not school related because we all know the best, one of the best parts of school is socializing. Right. You know, I think as adults, I could probably tell you more fun things that happen outside the classroom uh, than actually this really great lecture my teacher gave me in my algebra one class in ninth grade. Right. And, you, know, you know, I can tell you about some funny stuff that happened with some of my buddies in the hallway. So yeah. we wanted to also tell teachers, hey, you can provide a quote unquote safe space under the umbrella that we have. You need to be in the chat. Let's let the kids talk, you yeah. know, have them chitty chat about, you know, man, did you see that episode of whatever last night? It was fun. Just being kids and talking because we sometimes need to facilitate that conversation and redirect it if it's some conversation that shouldn't be happening. But, you know, just provide that space for kids. Also, as long as the parents are okay with that, that was one of the things that we encouraged our teachers to also do as well, just to have that, uh, those support structures. And we also looked at making sure the resources that we currently have were just available to our parents and students, whether it's through our school messenger, hey, if you're feeling down or depressed, here's a phone number you can call, uh, here's some website information that you can go in. So just making sure that information was to the forefront. And we also had the lunch and breakfast programs so also making sure that information was available at those food pickup locations for people as well. Yeah. Now looking forward to uh, the fall, there seem to be a, a number of different possible scenarios from best case going back to the new normal to the worst cases, you know, staying remote. Uh, how are you, how are you planning that out? 
day by day, minute by minute. Now we, we kind of have, you know, our, our plans in place, our state has kind of given us guidance. And I think most district leaders have kind of looked at every other state's uh, plan and, and, and pilfered and borrowed some different scenarios. You know, whether you talk about an A day, B day, uh, portion face-to-face, portion, portion virtual. I know this year we will have some type of full virtual academy where students will log in for a full semester and receive uh, virtual uh, teaching because there's some students and families that they just don't feel comfortable having their kid go to a school right now. Yeah. Uh, whether they have medical pre-existing conditions or they're just not comfortable. And we wanna make sure we can provide that educational support for those students. And let's be honest, schools don't wanna lose those FTE dollars. So once you lose those, those dollars for those kids enroll in a different program because you can't provide that service, it's very uh, hard to make ends meet if you're starting to have an exodus of your students. So we have to make sure we can provide various formats of education for those students. So we are looking at these blended learning or a regular face-to-face traditional school. You know, what does that look like? So, uh, you know, we were having conversations about creating uh, a back-to-school video or video segments where it's like, here's what it will look like after school bus. You know, these are not paid actors because more likely they're going to be us uh, educational members. We're going to get our kids. <laughs> and Although you were the, the, the Hollywood yeah. of the South, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what does it look like in the cafeteria? So one is really getting the word out to calm people's fears on what it's going to look like and feel yeah. like. Um, so they know what we are expecting. And I think that's one thing that my district and other districts are really doing is you have to be transparent and you have to communicate because if you don't communicate, they're going to, people are going to look at whatever meme on the internet or something that somebody posted and they're like, oh, well, this is what this school's going to do. So we have to make sure as an education system, we get ahead of the story and we tell our story before somebody else tells it for us as far as what back to school is going to look like. And the fact that, yes, this is our plan, but let's be honest, if the governor comes out and says something different tomorrow, or the president comes out and says something different about outbreak or the virus, then all those plans go out the window. So yeah. also let it know that these are plans are subject to change based on what the CDC guidelines come out. Talk a little bit about how um, the district's relationship with parents has changed because of all of this. I mean, they've really become an extension of the, of the, the faculty, right? Yeah, it's really, and it's been really good. I think a lot of our parents have definitely gotten a new appreciation uh, for what teachers do, especially some that have observed the Zoom meetings and how the teachers have had to change their classroom management style with uh, 20 to 30 to 40 kids all in one uh, live meeting. So definitely a new appreciation. But definitely the forms of communication between teacher and parent has increased as far as, you know, here are the resources, what are they doing? And even now during the summer, there's a lot of parents that know that their child probably did not finish where they needed to finish. And so there's, even though our teachers are off the clock right now, they're quote unquote enjoying their summer, uh, they're still communicating with a lot of these parents and providing them resources that they can supplement between now and the start of our upcoming school year. Uh, in terms of um, the the old ways of doing things, including uh, assessment and, and testing. Um, where do you see that headed in the coming uh, the coming school year? Well, I know currently uh, our state has a petition, a waiver to the uh, Department of Ed to lift testing for the coming school year. 
uh, for accountability purposes, because it's, gonna, it's really hard to test and ensure that every student everywhere is going to get what we've expected to meet these standards on these state assessments that we've put forward. So if we can dial those back, uh, it will give us the flexibility and it kind of makes me question how important tests are to start off with if we're if that's one of the things we can easily dial back um you know what's the what what is our purpose of testing is it really to see where we are and to move kids forward to fill in gaps or is it a, a checkbox that someone has created but you know that those happen in meetings that normally educators aren't yet right. um you know, we have to figure out, you know, what's going to be the best fit, but I'm glad that our, our state is taking the lead to uh, pull pull those restrictions uh, back because that's one less thing that schools have to worry about uh, as it relates to testing, especially when you're going to have so many kids virtual and in butts and seats. You know, how does that even look when you start talking about giving them a standardized test when, you know, testing security is already something crazy that we have to deal with anyway. How can you ensure the security of testing when you have kids who may not be set foot in your building all year and some that'll be in and out based on that, uh, whether it's a situation where they have to be um, shelter in place, caught up again, or quarantine based on their proximity to someone who has come in contact with the virus. So those are all things that I definitely think testing need to kind of go on the back burner for uh, the next few years. If you ask me. Yeah. How about any other innovations um, that came out of the crisis for you in terms of things that you will now continue to do uh, in your district um, where because you've been thrust into this situation? <laughs> you know, one thing, uh, I wouldn't even call it innovation, I think just that a lot of the virtual, uh, and we kind of joked about it uh, prior to this being zoomed out, but I think having a lot of the virtual PD uh, yeah. PL, I think that's here to stay now. We've kind of flirted with it before, but I think teachers having the flexibility to pop in or even administrators to pop into some kind of virtual training is definitely something that they're looking at. Um, I can see the opportunity for more augmented reality experiences now increasing now that we are going to have an increase of the amount of technology that schools and students have access to. I can see that whole augmented type classroom becoming more of a thing. And in our district, we happen to have cameras in all of our classrooms um, through another initiative that we did for uh, through audio enhancement and a safety system. So uh, for us looking how we can utilize those cameras to do some uh, live real time instruction, what does that look like? So really figuring out we have all these various tools, how can we maximize the use of it? And even I'm seeing more districts maximizing their use of their learning management platform uh, because they've always kind of used them, but now you you would be silly to not utilize a learning management platform, whether you're using Google Classroom, Microsoft Teams, or you have a paid product like Canvas, which we use, or Schoology, uh, Blackboard. You have to have some kind of digital teaching and learning space and I see teachers now maximizing those integrations and those tools to make a seamless virtual space as they have a face-to-face -face space for students. Right, and the, um, and the professional development aspect of it is, it's not like this is an option for you, right? I mean, it's just, yeah. you've got to do it. So that whole excuse that uh, some people have said, well, I'm just not good with computers. <laughs> you can't use that anymore because if you're not good with computers, how are you doing anything now? I mean, yeah. 
you know, you have people who have church services on Zoom or, or, or YouTube Live. So all those things are there. So that whole excuse about, I can't use technology, it's so complicated. Right. You, that, you can't use that anymore. So it took a pandemic <laughs> for people <laughs> to no longer have that excuse. Absolutely, absolutely. And what do you think about how the, the, the student reaction to all of this? Um, in terms of the new realities of school. As you said, I mean, like the funnest part of school is probably in between classes as opposed to being uh, in classes. Um, do you, what sort of effect do you think a blended learning setup will have on, on those sort of experiences? I mean, of a father of a, a third grader, um, you know, I got a chance to see that kind of firsthand, you know, uh, having the the stress of running a district technology uh, for an entire county. And also my wife is a, a elementary science coordinator for the district, so she's dealing with that. And then also the two of us have to now teach the nine-year-old uh, and also deal with the five-year-old, the three-year-old in the house as well. So those, those, are, those are some different stresses on a, for a whole nother uh, conversation. <laughs> but uh, definitely with the, with the students figuring it out, I think, for me, I know my child, she was able to kind of hop in and do the work. It was the social aspect that I think uh, hurt her the most, not having that social interaction with her friends uh, the way that she's used to. And I think there's going to probably be a lot of dissertation and research in around this isolation of, of students at a certain age and figuring how that works. Uh, I'm looking at my, my five-year-old, she'll be starting kindergarten in the fall. So how that her kindergarten experience is going to be totally different than anyone else's. Uh, when I look at our seniors, they missed out on all those senior moments that a lot of us probably, you know, look back on, um, you know, having your, you know, senior week, your, your proms, your graduations, all those things. So what are those impacts and that those students are going to have short-term and long-term for missing out on those, on those experiences? Uh, so those are the things that really concern me the most when I look at that because as I said, school is important, teaching and learning, but also it's the growth and maturity that our students have in these spaces that we call school that I think we'll, we will miss and we will be lacking with more virtual. It's, it's a different kind of interaction that they're going to start having. So um, I'm, I'm curious to see what is going to be the studies that we find out of this whole digital interactions that our students are now growing up with because to use one of the phrases of the year, this is going to be the new normal. Uh, moving Now that we know that this is an option, this will be an option that is going to be on the table moving forward for more than one year. Yeah. Well, Adam, uh, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. I hope we can do a follow-up in person at ISTE. Yes. Remember, maybe? Maybe. <laughs> we can have our, our cheese cubes and uh, cheap Merlot then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to it. <laughs> All right. Thanks again. All right, thanks, thanks, everybody, for watching.